Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate 50 before wiener. Oh, listen, Labernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about live fire barbecue and grilling items of only the highest magnitude and order. Still to come on the show this evening, Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com, and then closing out the show with Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly Barbecue. If you missed the first hour and change, too bad for you. You just missed Jeremy Umansky break Koji down the likes of nobody else. The foremost authority on Koji. You learned all about it. How you do it on chicken, ribs, pork butt, brisket. Also, how you would make a dry-aged steak. And he said 75 to 80% flavor match on what a real dry-aged would do. Except in two days, you can have what would be akin to a 30-day dry-aged. So for me, better part of a week, you got damn near 100-day dry-aged flavor. So... Easier for me to do a week than it is an actual 100 days, which is a week longer than three months. I'm that smart. I figured that all out on my own. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through our video streaming platforms, Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. Also over on YouTube slash RD Rempe. And of course, our friends listening audibly on Clubhouse. We also have an update on the YouTube poll question of the week. Which fuel do you prefer to cook with, gas, charcoal, or wood? And it is a dead heat right now. Charcoal and wood sitting at 48% and gas sitting at 5%. Finally, one or two of you ballied up and said, hey, now, we love gas, so I certainly appreciate that. It's not my favorite, but I'm certainly not ashamed to say that gas is one of my more favorite cooking fuels, but in the end, for me, my favorite way to cook is wood, followed by charcoal, and a close third is gas. So while it does rank three out of three, I use gas quite frequently, but more for convenience, and I just like it. But if I have to pick, it's got to be wood. There's no doubt for me, but that's just the way I like it. You have your own. The barbecue show and YouTube is saying, I went to Walmart but forgot my wallet. Koji came out of nowhere and paid my bill. Thank you, Koji. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah, Koji. Give me a hell yeah. Yes, sir. Thank God. Magic Koji everywhere. Not only is it adding dry age, it's paying for people's grocery at Walmart. Just keep that to yourself, Kinger, because you mentioned Koji popped out of your wallet and paid for things, especially in Walmart. People are going to be asking you to borrow your Koji. And who knows what kind of a bill or tab Koji has before now it is in the wrecking book. Who knows? 
Hey, coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, episode 274, taking you back to September 6, 2006. And what is it? The first ever podcast ever, not live show, first ever production ever made as it relates to my time in the live fire industry. Is it great? Yes. It is greatly bad. It's really bad, especially if you compare it to the last 10 years of doing shows. However, this was way back in a time when no one knew about podcasting. Most people still didn't grasp what podcasting is or even how to use it both as a learning tool or marketing tool these days. So if you run it back to 2006, you can only imagine the Blake stares I was getting as I asked someone if they wanted to be on a podcast. I did have a guest on this show, believe it or not. The guest sounded better than me, both audibly and from a confidence perspective. And as I bring up audio quality here, the technology back then was scarce. On top of that, I had no background in audio or production of any sort. So I used what was available to me at the time, and like most things for me, free. That was Telcaster, founded by a guy named Hoyt Prysock, a visionary of podcasting business. Of course, the downside to this technology was it was an interface. It was, in essence, a glorified teleconference room, and that's what it recorded. So if you listen on Friday and you wonder why everybody sounds like they're on the phone, it's because everybody was on the phone. This is where we were in the beginning of the show. We've evolved from that point to where we are today, which is the audio standard for the entire broadcast podcast industry. I have raised the bar. I have set the standard of excellence that every show should be striving to meet on terrestrial radio, on satellite radio, on all podcasts. I have raised the bar. I'm asking everybody to meet my standard. So as you tune in to the Best Moments show this Friday, realize that this is where the show all started from. This is the very point. This is the origin story of the Barbecue Central show that you will hear both Friday and then the following Friday. John has split it up into a undoctored two-part series so you can hear the whole thing. The very first show, this is where it all starts. And no mean emails to me about how bad it is because guess what? I lived it. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast in order to get. But if you ever wanted to hear the first show ever, ever, this is the one you want to check out on Tuesday. And again, save your constructive criticism because you're 18 years too late. Wes Wright is ready to rock and roll. Before we get to him, let's learn about Big Papa Smokers. What do we know? The one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. A fantastic selection of products handpicked by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. You know about the popular flavors of rubs and seasoning. Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak, Jalapeno, Hallelujah. All the 13 perfectly balanced flavors. You know them, you love them. Winning on competition circuits, winning in backyards all over the country and the world. Also owners of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce, try out Granny's. If you're sick of what's currently out there or you've had enough of that. They're also selling cookers of all shapes and sizes. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. 
Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, or you're not sure what grill you might want, give them a call. Ask questions, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. And we'll be back with Wes Wright after this. Stick around. Be right back. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker. The most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. Doesn't matter if you're a beginner or a professional. It's a cooker you want to add to that arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com. Check out the sizes and buy the one that best fits you and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. My next guest tonight is the creator of cookoutnews.com and the third Tuesday of the month regular guest here to talk about the latest news in the live fire industry. So we welcome back our pal, Wes Wright. Wes, let's start with big names and work through the rest of it here during our time this evening. We'll talk Traeger first. And in a shocker to me, meter is the biggest and best thing going at Traeger right now, at least in quarter four of 2022. Poised to grow? Yeah, meter is doing great for them. I was surprised in their last earnings call they talked about how amazing it's going, and it's really you know, it's made accessories grow a ton for them. Um, they, it's going so well that they actually had to take out a loan to pay $15 million for something called an earnout. When you buy a company, you set performance targets for it. And if they meet or exceed them, you get a bonus to that company that you bought. So earnout is just a fancy word for bonus, but they, they had to draw down from their credit line to pay for $15 million next year because they're overperforming. And yeah, they should grow too, because they, uh, started getting into Home Depot in December. Mm. So, you know, it'll take a little time for them to roll out there, but you know, that's that's a big revenue stream, obviously. Is it good for a business to have to take a loan in order to pay bonus? Uh, ideally, that's probably not the way they planned it. They bought meter when things were still going great in the height of the pandemic. But it, I mean, it does mean that they're exceeding what you know, the people that bought them thought they would do. So it's good in that aspect. But, you know, when you're a little strapped for cash like Traeger is, they probably don't want to be paying that right now. The way meter is set up right now, they're kind of the only kid on the block. Now, Combustion Inc. is certainly coming up at a pretty rapid rate at this point. It's got a gauge that's 40% less than what the meter would leave in the meat. It appears to be working very well. With more competition, do you see Meter continuing its thrive or the minute somebody else that comes up that's comparable or even better? Because, I mean, in my estimation, there's still a lot of knocks against Meter, regardless of how well the sales are. I think the performance still lacks a lot of luster. So the minute something else comes along that is performing better and was in that same pricing threshold, that thing could drop like a tank. 
Yeah, it's it's how much of that, you know, Traeger cachet, I guess, rubs off on a meter. There's people that just love Traeger products. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting, though, if, if some of those other companies, you know, and I know you had a guest on recently who, who ran one and, uh, you know, he was saying that his performance better than meter. If they can, you know, work out a deal with grill companies. So, you know, there I can't think of hardly any, if any other grills, you know, pellet grills that come with Bluetooth thermometers. So if they can start to, you know, work out package deals when you buy them, I think that's, that's the foothold in that'll start to, you know, bring some competition to that. How do you think Traeger ended the year last year better than anticipated? It's hard to say their grill sales were down 52%. So that's never, you know, a headline you want to, you want to go into. It's hard to know how much inventory is built up. And that was the reason why you know, their sales were so terrible, or if that's a sign of things to come, they're going to have a little bit trouble though, because they, you know, they have that glut of inventory and then they introduce new products. So there's extra skews that they have to get into the market and balance all that. Um, They beat their own expectations that they put out there. And I think largely their stock people that owned it were happy with it, but you know, it, it really, (laughs) I don't think anyone would be happy with a 52% loss. It seems like every grill company is, though, saying, don't judge us off previous years. Let's go back to 2019 as yeah. the baseline. That's that's the messaging we're hearing. So, uh, When I'm looking at uh, the Traeger numbers, is it when they're counting sales, is it just either through distributor or dealers? It's not like you buying a Traeger and then that counts as a sale for them, right? Yeah, so that... That's that's the problem is that let's say like Home Depot has a bunch of Traegers sitting around that they need to sell. So if I go buy a Traeger from Home Depot, that's not a, necessarily a sale for Traeger in, unless uh, Home Depot replenishes what I bought. And what we're hearing is that they're doing retailers are doing something called destocking. So they're lowering the number number of inventory that they have of the grills. So they're not replenishing that, which means that they're not buying from Traeger. And another thing, too worth mentioning uh, from their call is they said one of the largest retailers, I'm, I'm guessing it's Home Depot, um, is coming out with their own uh, private label pellets. And so they're they're seeing some some pain from that in the consumables side that, you know, they're going to sell their own pellets rather than Traeger's. Given all the turnover in the industry's top positions amongst many other companies, are you surprised that Traeger CEO is still in place? I, th- I think what's unique about him is he owns so much of the company and he has a lot of uh, goodwill from, you know, where he brought Traeger from. So my guess is if, if they can do okay through this summer, he'll be okay. If, um, if they, if they're anything like, like Weber, you know, is turning into, then I, I would say he'll, he'll have a lot tougher go staying in his seat. I would venture a guess though, that that Traeger isn't in that position. I mean, Weber seemed to be out of their depths for whatever reason. Yeah, Weber was had way more way more debt than Traeger did. Uh so you know, as long as they can keep lowering inventory, keep sales up, I, I think he'll be okay and a lot of it is just he's established credibility and they do have a lot of uh positive metrics, you know, they they're real big when you listen to their calls on social media followings and things like that and they're they're pretty good in that regard. Is Traeger financially fit if you look at shares they're 
just cresting over four dollars than you know three months ago they were two dollars and fifty cents you know towards the end of 2022 I think it's 82 83 percent down from release you know a year and a half ago so from a fitness standpoint they're still okay you think yeah, they're they're still at manageable levels of debt. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they said that they're at higher debt levels than they want to be, but but it's manageable. It's it's not out of control. It, it seems like everyone's just kind of holding their breath for what this summer will bring, though. You know, where it's with inflation and the overall consumer sentiment being what it is. There's ever I don't think anyone wants to really say how good or bad things are going to be. It's kind of I, I felt like a wait, wait and see approach going forward. They brought two new products to market here recently, so they did a revamped Ironwood two weeks later, so they unleashed the Flat Rock, which is their standalone griddle cooker. Any idea how those are being received into the market outside of seeing the social media onslaught on the days that those are being released, respectively? I, th- I think we'll have to wait a couple months for them to start talking about sales with their They just released their last quarter um, was last week. So those grills were pretty fresh and hadn't been in the results previously yet. Um, You know, all all they went off of was how it's being received in the market and via social media, but also they supplied a lot of those grills. So you're going to see a lot of social media presence. Um, An interesting thing with that too, though, is they, you know, revamped the Timberline and they revamped the Ironwood. So that leaves the pro model as the odd man out and i think they have a ton of stock of that um given that at the end of last year they were discounting it um like 35 40 percent on black friday which they never used to do uh so it'll be interesting to see if people are still buying that this summer too i heard that the traeger was telling dealers through a number of confirmed sources uh that they need to stick eight of the flat rocks on their floor otherwise they might risk some type of dealer status downgrade or something like this. Is that common practice or did you hear something along the same lines by any chance? I I haven't heard that. It would, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. They have the upper hand with that. And if you're trying to move inventory, that's a good way to do it is to pressure the little guys into doing it. It's obviously not the best practice to do. It's not, um, you know, something I would want to stake my name to, but it, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite of the big retailers that, you know, I've heard from other grill companies are saying, you know, we're not going to pay you for your whole product. So you're just going to deal with that. So, you know, that's something too that, you know, big box companies like Walmart have been notorious for years. I think it's just going the other way where the manufacturer is much bigger than the retailer in this case. Wes Wright joining us here on the show, cookoutnews.com, his website. Make sure you're checking it out. If you haven't visited before and that you're signed up for the weekend refuel, you can sign up for that at the top of the page. Let's move on to Weber here, Wes. They've gone from public to private. I believe that has all been finalized now. So my question is, how often does a company race to go public only to turn back around and go private? Not even within a year of itself, but just in general, how often does that happen? I, I think that's pretty rare. I, I can't, okay. couldn't name anybody else that's done that that I can think of. Wow. That's a, a pretty, you know, pretty rare scenario. They... I, I put an article up today, though, that they pretty much had to do it. They needed $350 million to almost stave off bankruptcy from the because they were going to be out of line with the banks. So, And part of that deal with the banks was they had to be private because they knew they would get cash into their business. 
so that that was the only way but yeah going public and then year and a half two years later going back private's pretty strange they appear to be in a development stage of something called control by wire so tell us a little bit about what this is and do you feel that this might be a future of the industry type of thing yeah i think definitely that's something we'll see if if not from weber but from somebody that's where the whole industry is going um and i you know the mainly we see it with pellet grills um and connected grilling like that but you know it's gas grills are a little little behind on that other than the only real smart gas grills that i can think of is um the nevo which came out and charbroils cruise which came out those those both are smart grills but what uh control by wire is is instead of the knob turning an actual mechanical valve that releases gas into a burner the knob doesn't do anything by itself it, it interfaces with a controller that dictates how much to open the valve and that may sound insignificant because it's doing the same thing but the way that weber's patent worked is that that makes it so you can uh, make startup and shutdown easier rather than having to, you know, turn on the gas, hit the igniter, and also, you know, turn on the propane before that. You can all do that through one or two button presses. Um, and then from there, it even opens the window further from being able to set recipes or control things on your phone, which, you know, is is where a lot of the gr- grilling industry is going. So I, I think I think we'll see that for sure. Weber launched the charcoal heat controller for $99. Good accessory? Um, I think it's neat. I'm going to probably buy one and try it out myself because um, I'm, I'm a little bit lazy, so charcoal grilling doesn't always work out. Uh, but it's neat that it, you know, it has uh, multiple functions where you, know, you have a cone that you can fill up with charcoal for some high heat searing and it really directs it, or there's a diffuser that sits on top of that where you're supposed to be able to fill up half of it with charcoal and you get, you know, five to seven hours of 250 degree low and slow. Um, and they claim it's supposed to be pretty effortless. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, want to see if it really is. This would be something that is different from, I don't know if you're familiar with the vortex that was real yeah. popular a couple of years ago, but it looked like this one has both a vortex type of a appliance there in the middle, but then it's also got a shield that will sit around and you can build charcoal around what would be the vortex for a little bit more of a diffused heat. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. You're right. It's, it's kind of similar in principle, but with, you know, the executed a little differently. Um, it, it's a, you know, decent product for a hundred bucks to, you know, make, to make grilling easier. I feel like they're not promoting it enough. They cut back their ad budget a lot there. And I only see, images of just like the the product by itself and it doesn't really explain to you what it is but um it looks neat has weber gone a little dark as far as promotion they released the griddle a couple weeks ago you know a week ahead of when traeger released their flat rocky solve types of fanfare for traeger when that thing got released but it seems like weber is never on the big megaphone uh, broadcasting what they're doing other than having you know Mike Lang from another pint please talk about it are they missing the boat on promotion so what they're doing is because they have such a cash problem the easiest thing to do when you're running out of money is to cut your ad budget because it doesn't hurt you today and it might hurt you tomorrow right so that's an easy source of cash so they needed money they, they in their SEC filings this this is what I'm 
detailing. They cut down on their ad spend and their product development for 2023, banking on they can ramp it up for some, they said some big product releases in 24, mm. and they'll turn back on the ad budget. And they kind of need that to go well to to buoy their cash position. So, you know, I'm hoping to see some bigger releases next year where these were kind of also run. Um, you know, I, I saw another a trademark or a trademark filing for another Weber Q, which is a big popular portable grill for them. Um, so maybe we'll see that along with the control by wire product. That's that'd be my just, you know, out of the blue guess on what we'll see next year. There was some news as Charbroil is concerned. There was a new CEO installed. I don't know if you know anything about him or what his vision for the company is. Yeah, I, I didn't. So they didn't really like publicly announce that much. I saw, I ran an article on my site based off something I saw from like a local paper or something like that. And I had to dig into it. Um, I, I don't know much about him. He was at the company for, I want to say a year or two prior to taking over. Um, but yeah, it's another, another casualty of CEO casualty of the, the grill market is we've been through like six or seven across the companies since Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Thoughts on the edge coming into the market this grilling season in a strong way. It's been out, but really making an appearance this year. Yeah, I th- I think as long as they you spend some money promoting it, it's it's gonna. I think it'll be an interesting product, and you know some people seem to like the lumen, and I think this is better than that in terms of that it's a real grilling experience. Um, it so. You know, I, I heard on your show actually that they're going to promote it more heavily this year. So we'll see if that catches on. Um, they also they had a a European version that they just released called the Smart E, which is pretty cool because it uses two twenty rather than uh, one ten volt. So it has a lot more power, more grilling area, and everything like that. Um, but yeah, they're they're leading the pack on that as we're waiting for uh, Napoleon to release their electric grill that's been put off for, I don't know, six months or so. Is that going to be a 110? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a 110. It's a smart grill, too. It's a full-size electric grill. When I was at HPB, I was talking to a number of the manufacturers. Rule number one of the show applies, no names, please. And I think three out of the four of them, maybe four out of four of them, said they're not necessarily against full-size electric, but they all talked about needing 220 in order to do the right things. Do you think that is the case i mean you know i i bought an edge just to try out and i was getting 700 degrees out of it it just took a little time to heat up so you had to plan ahead almost like a pellet grill but uh it i mean no it performed well i i think there is a design challenge with being limited to that but it's it's a legit grill it's pretty it's a smaller area so you know you really would only want to grill for maybe two three people but it's you know, it's a legit grill. Connected cookers, Kamado Joe. Is this thing that's going to be taking off or is it just like, well, we, we have something that's connected in case you want it <laughs> in a stale ceramic cooker market. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the hard sell is getting more people to adopt ceramic cookers because mm-hmm. a lot of people, it seems like, like them for their, um, more pure grilling experience. You know, it's, as opposed to using a connected, you know, pellet grill. And if, if you want to just get a connected grill, I, you know, why 
spend the money on a pretty small Kamado grill when you can get a pellet grill that does more for cheaper. So I think that's the hard sell on it. Um, you might get some converts that are already Kamado Joe fans, but I, I don't see too many people jumping onto it. Wes, what's the biggest breaking news of the week that you think is going to happen? <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything. I, I think we're just kind of waiting to spring here. I, it's, you know, we've had endless new grill releases leading up to now. And I think now we're just waiting for spring to start and sales to start taking off to see where we're at. YouTube poll question of the week, and then I will let you go. Which fuel do you prefer to cook with, Wes? Gas, charcoal, or wood? Uh, I like wood. Yeah. But also, I'm not going to... I, I'm not going to put down gas either, though. I like, I like the speed of that. You know, when you're constrained on time. Fifty percent wood, forty-five percent charcoal, and five percent gas. And I am not a gas hater, just like you. So I appreciate its convenience. You can find Wes Wright at CookoutNews.com or at the associated social media handles. Wes, always appreciate the time, and we will see you again in April. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. You got it. It's Wes Wright again. His website, his website, westright.com, or you can find him really at cookoutnews.com, cookoutnews.com. As I say each and every time, show up at least three times a week. His content is going up like crazy. He's got all the inside news. It's great. A valued member and recurring guest of this show monthly now. Daniel Vaughn is ready to play. I will talk to you quickly about the National Barbecue and Grilling Association. Since 1991, NBBQA has been the voice of the barbecue and grilling industry by helping members network and learn from proven professionals. Cal Phelps looks to take the history of this organization and move it into new heights here in 2023. They did it with the annual conference a couple months ago, and now they are even moving further ahead. All the reports are in now saying that this was one of the best annual conferences they've had to date. Things are moving in the right direction, and now we'll start to see those regional conferences that they're going to be putting together. So if you've been on the fence about joining, becoming a member, don't be on the fence. Jump over. Become a member. NBBQA.org. That's NBBQA.org. Explore all the membership levels, what it gets you. And if you can't join some of these things in person depending on where you are in the country and where they're actually being held and at what time the good news is that nbbqa is taping everything videoing everything so if you can't make it out there in person you can always get stuff on video so you have in essence all the learning material all the new reference all the new things that are trending right at your fingertips and watch on demand whenever you want you can go back and refresh if you're forgetting some of the things it's all great nbbqa.org is the place to go and you can explore what they're all about and if you are in the business of barbecue a restaurant you're selling sauces or rubs or anything that has to do with it it's a trade organization that you want to get involved with and support once again the website nbbqa.org that's nbbqa.org we're back with daniel vaughn right after this stick around be right back you're listening to the barbecue central show Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. And we thank Wes Wright for joining us last segment, the website cookoutnews.com. 
Barbecue.com. Helping me close the show tonight, the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly's magazine. You see him on the show quarterly for visits throughout this year of 2023 as we talk about things going on in Texas and in the barbecue world in general. We race to the hotline and welcome back our pal, Daniel Vaughn. Daniel, I had Jeremy Umansky on in the first hour, and we were both lauding you for bringing me to Larder, and I'm shamed to say it, but I'm not too proud not to say it, when we were enjoying a barbecue meal a number of years ago, and you said, oh, hey, you ever been to this place over on the west side? And I said, no, and you're like, let's get in the cab right now. We got to go right now, and that was the best place to (laughs) go that day, right? Yeah, no, the place is incredible. I, I love that place. Um, and, you know, the uh, uh, I think it was not long after that he had a, a couple of, uh, um, you know, a couple of real stars there mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Daniel Balud and Thomas Keller coming in, yep. uh, singing his praises as well. So we were ahead of that curve. Thank goodness. And that's why we are in the positions that we are. Uh, you're probably talented. I was just lucky to be riding your coattails that day, but I'll take credit wherever I can get it. So we have some topics to talk about this evening here, Daniel. And a couple weeks ago, I find myself in Houston for reasons I shall not disclose. But I finally had some real-ass Texas barbecue. And lo and behold, it's the number three on the top 50 list for Texas Monthly, Truth Barbecue. What do you like best about Truth? Okay, so did you know that going in that you were eating at the number three place, or you found that out afterwards? So it's both. I knew because we had talked about the list and we had won over the top ten. Also, after the fact, I had had Leonard Patello on the show. I think we talked. Was he at one time on the list twice for two different locations, or um, he had made it on the list uh, in successive releases or something uh, I, I along mean, these we, lines. We, we certainly, yeah, we we enjoy both locations yeah. at Texas Monthly. So you were at the Houston location, which is their their newer one. Yeah, the big grand palace of of Truth Barbecue. Yeah. Uh, what do I love about it? Oh man. Um, well, the one thing that you can't leave there without is is a slice of that giant cake. Um, He's, I mean, chocolate cake, and there's a coconut cake. Red velvet, like, yeah, yeah, red velvet, yeah, Oof. yeah, yeah. They do them all well, um, but uh, uh, the burn in the brisket boudin there. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, and then uh, you know, it's not really something you can order uh, on its own, but if you get a turkey sandwich and then you put some of the cream spinach on there. Uh, man, that's quite a combination. Uh, but the last time I was in, I had the the fourth slice of brisket, which, as you well know, is the best slice. D- Daniel, look at you trying to start up a mockery of social media, having people go out. Here's what I love about Texas. You put this out about fourth slice of brisket. You showed video of wherever you were at, the guys cutting in and showing the fourth slice of brisket. It was brisket. the truth. It was truth. Okay. And I'm like, wow. This guy is starting nonsense on purpose. But I mentioned it on the show a couple days later. It just happened. Maybe you posted over the weekend and you know Tuesday was coming quickly, so I mentioned it. How many people from Texas are emailing me and messaging me? Dude, you have a barbecue show and you don't know about the fourth slice of brisket? This is old talk. We've done this forever. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody was taking credit for it, hand over fist. And I'm talking to you about it, and you're like, well, I don't know. It was like... I, I, to, to my knowledge, I was the first one putting it out there. 
Well, that's the thing about the barbecue community, right? It's like three people have talked about it. So all of a sudden it's old news to them and then everyone in the world knows it, right? Um, and, and that's the thing with the four slice. That's why I wrote the article because it's fun. Uh, because it, uh, you know, it was like this inside joke between several people. And, uh, you know, to a certain degree, they have a point that it is a good way to sort of measure how good your brisket is because you can compare the same slice like side by side by Mm. side by side. Right. So you aren't uh, cherry picking your slice out of the brisket. It's you're selecting that specific one. So as far as comparing one brisket to the next, yeah, I I think it works well. Um, But, you know, the uh, the idea that or, or the fact that I got, I mean, had to be over a hundred Instagram photos, like within two days after, uh, after publishing that. And I shared most of them, but, uh, of, of people sharing their fourth slice, some people, uh, sharing it, you know, with a level of confidence that maybe didn't show in their brisket. Hmm. Here's, here's the heartache that you're causing restaurateurs. Here's smoking Joe's pit barbecue. He's in uh, Joe, forgive me. Is it El Paso, Texas? He's got a, a food trailer. It's going like gangbusters. And he says, I had a guy come and ask for the fourth slice of brisket. And I'm like, what the F? Of course you are, Joe. It's nonsense. I mean, could somebody charge 20 bucks for the fourth slice of brisket? I mean, if you have some bag coming in and asking for the fourth slice, if you're going to take out that whole brisket and cut into that fourth slice on the fatty end, can you charge 20 bucks for that slice? Well, I mean, the way that Leonard Botello, uh, he, the way he described that problem, which which really isn't a problem, is that if you want the four slice and and he's not ready to cut the four slice, then you just buy one, two, and three as well. Huh. And they, that's about a pound of brisket. So, yeah, if you want the four slice out of a fresh brisket, then you're probably going to be buying a pound of brisket. Yeah. Uh, but there was uh, uh, a guy in Chicago at Green Street Smoked Meats, and he said that, that he did have a customer who came in and asked for, I think, three fourth slices. And he's like, no, <laughs> no, that's wow. not happening. Well, I have to say, uh, through the truth experience, the fatty brisket was easily some of the best I've ever had. Uh, the lean brisket. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say lean brisket was average. But however, it's lean brisket, right? So I don't know if even the best lean brisket is life changing. Maybe average is as good as it gets. But when you're comparing the point to the flat, it was so night and day. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I love a slice of lean brisket with a nice fat cap on top. I'd say about the fifth slice of that is the best, but <laughs> we'll leave that here. No, uh, but, but really like uh, a lean slice of brisket with a nice fat cap on top. Um, I, I do enjoy that slice that, uh, you know, when they cut the brisket in half and you get the fatty here and the lean here, usually, um, that first slice of lean that still has a little of the fatty on top. That's what I get pretty often when I ask for lean brisket, that slice of lean is not my favorite. Mm. Like I want it a little closer to the, uh, you know, I want, I want it a little closer to the end, uh, where I'm getting that nice, you know, eighth inch, quarter inch line, quarter inch thick line of, of fat cap. Turkey, 10 out of 10. It was the best mm-hmm. Turkey I've had. We've had good Turkey, Barbecue-wise, here in Cleveland, you can actually second that emotion. But this turkey was out of the effing park. My wife was like, oh, my God, this is life-changing turkey. We bought another pound to take home to the hotel just so we could eat it in cold. It was amazing. Even better the next day because the smoke had another 
you know, 16 hours on it just to uh, uh, mill around and mix into that turkey meat. But holy crap, it was incredible. The the only, if I have an issue, and we're picking the nittiest of nits here, I also got ribs. I think mine were like a little under, a little chewy. And from what I was told, Texas is more of a fall off the bone type of area. I don't know if you can confirm or deny that, but I was hoping for well at least like bite uh, into it and then have everything come off clean. It was a little pulley. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I wouldn't say that's Texas style. I, I will say that they're, you know, I'm looking for the same thing that, that you know, a competition judge is looking for in a rib, yep. Yep. as you described, like you, you bite down, it comes cleanly away from the bone, but it's nothing is like sliding off the bone. Right. But I, I will say that uh, when you're a barbecue joint like Truth and you're cooking full spares, um, you do have much more variation from you know edge to middle uh, as far as doneness, right? Those edge ribs are much thinner, mm-hmm. much smaller, and they're going to get done faster than the middle rib. Um, and so that big, thick middle ones can sometimes be a little under, as opposed to like a rack of baby backs where most of those ribs are the same size from one end of the rack to the other. So here's the other part of real ass Texas barbecue that I got to experience. I waited in a line. This was, mm-hmm. let's say an hour and a half. I got there like at uh, 1230, maybe one o'clock or something like that. No. So, I mean, I, you wow. know, my okay. fault, right? Okay. I get it. Yeah. But hour and a half, which further cements the fact I would never, ever, ever wait in Franklin's barbecue line for, you know, two, three, four, six hours or line up overnight or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Is it unreasonable I know the answer is yes. Is it unreasonable to think that it might be more efficient in this place of truth, especially this place, the Shangri-La, you would have two or three or four cutting stations and at open, maybe they're fully staffed. And as you wane through the hours of operation, maybe you close down one or two and transition those people into the back or, I don't know, clean up the, the dining room or whatever, just to move the line through a little bit? Or is that just the process yeah, to give I, attention? I mean, I do think that they normally have two cutters going at Truth, but uh, I'm, I'm more of the opinion of, like, the barbecue joint that's selling out every day that they're open, they probably don't need much business advice from me. Hmm. But efficiency, right? I mean... Nobody wants to wait in lines or you just got to like people in Texas realize that and I'm a outsider and I'm just not used to it. Uh, Well, I mean, did you go on a, a Saturday as well? Or just in the in the weekday. Yeah, it was, okay. uh, I well, think it was a I'm Thursday. I'm sorry, that or sucks a for you. Yeah. That that's that's definitely on the on the high end of the length that I've spent the mm-hmm. the length that I've spent in line at Truth. I'm Bar not week, complaining. So. It was I, it was a great experience. I, th- I think you were I'm, on the again, high end there for sure. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, but yeah, I think every time I've been there, at least recently, there have been a couple of different. There have been at least two cutting stations, mm-hmm. and then they have a side station as well. So. Um, you know, they, I think they move you along pretty quickly, but yeah, I'm sorry about that hour and a half. That yeah, well, I mean, it's not your restaurant, and again, I'm not complaining. I'm just giving my experience, and I no, I meant for giving them number three and just showing the power of Texas Monthly. That's right. Now, uh, outside of Texas barbecue, I mean, we could talk about Texas barbecue until the cows come home. Of course, that's what you do best. You were recently abroad. Is there a notable barbecue scene wherever you were taking vacation? And if so, what did you think about it? 
Um, so, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we were in Athens. We went to Greece as a family for spring break. And um, wherever I'm traveling, I'm going to seek out a Texas style or American style barbecue place. Right. And and chances are, if it's a major city around the world, it's going to have at least one. Really? And uh, there was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's almost without fail. Wow. And uh, Fine Mess Smokehouse was the place that I, I found in Athens. Uh, the uh, I mean, they've, they have these these, you know. Uh, barbecue signs all over it that are, uh, you know, talking about the uh, very high-minded pursuit of barbecue, and I mean they're they're taking it very seriously. Like in the dining room, you're looking through a glass window into the pit room, <laughs> and um, it's uh, you know it's all right there within this building. Real pit? Uh, it's not. Yeah, real real offset steel offset smoker. <laughs> um, you know the. Uh, yeah, it was legit. It was a legit operation going on there. Uh, the way that all that translated into the food that we got on our plate was, uh, you know, it's it was barbecue in Greece. I, I wasn't thinking that I was going to get some of the best I've ever had. When you're comparing barbecue, so you're in Greece, you're getting barbecue. Are you inherently evaluating it against what would be a good Texas or Central Texas barbecue restaurant, or are you just trying to base it on barbecue merits in general? Uh, barbecue merits in general, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, the the barbecue merits that are, tend to be generally universal. Whether no matter what style you're eating, right? You want it to be you want it to be tender and juicy and flavorful. Uh, and if you don't have those things then then something's gone wrong along the way right and so i think that's the same case whether you're in in north carolina or, or memphis or kansas city or greece or uh, or sweden or wherever you might be eating barbecue what do you think about greece i hear it's quite the mix of let's say history and technology well, we focus much more on the history side of it. So as a former architect, uh, mm -hmm. I had a lot of places on my list of, of sites that I wanted to see. Uh, of course, we started in Athens and got to see the Acropolis and see the Parthenon. Um, Was Yanni playing? Right off the bat. No, oh. no, I didn't see him. No. Curse. It's yeah. my favorite. Uh, we, we took a, a tour through quite a bit of the country, but mainly just to classical sites. So we uh, didn't see much of the technology side of it. It was mostly just a lots of old rocks, as my daughter said. What do people think about you Americans? Are they pretty friendly to you or they give you a little stink? Oh, eye? man, it was it was full of Texans, man. Uh, we had <laughs> uh, that was it, was it was spring break for both Dallas schools and Houston. So schools. they go to Greece and. Yeah, I thought they go um, to Corpus yes. Christi for MTV. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, but the <laughs> hi showing my nineteen ninety two roots, right? Yeah, Hello, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, but there were there were a lot of Texans. Like on the huh. tour that we were on, there was. Uh, I mean, we on our last night in Greece, we stopped. Uh, we stopped at this little you know, a gyro shop to eat dinner uh, before we, you know, went to bed and we were headed out the next morning. And of course, like it, you, it's the ball cap, right? You see the ball cap and you know, it's an American. Like uh, that's, that's nobody really wears ball caps. Otherwise the Greeks, no, 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 no not really. It's no, they all have the Greeks, like really 
dense, curly black hair that everybody wishes they had. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Why, I, why I mean, I did get an. I was on one of the islands on Hydra, and it was rather warm. And I did buy myself a, a Greek shirt, which is it's it's a deep V neck. I mean, we're we're talking like chest hair Friday, oh, big time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> not many ball caps unless they're Americans, but yeah. So we used to see this family, and it's like, oh wow, are you on the flight to DFW Airport tomorrow morning? Oh yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> so we saw them all along the way as oh. well. So, yeah, we saw lots of Texans. I mean, there was even another tour group uh, who was eating a snack with us at, at uh, when we were at Olympia, where the first mm-hmm. Olympics were held. Yeah. And somebody was asking me about where to go eat barbecue in, um, you know, in San Antonio. And I was telling them and somebody asked about Houston. This other group's like, you know, Fort Worth's got the best. And I was like, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. They know who you are. <laughs> so I I don't think they did, which made it even funnier. <laughs> but they, they were saying that because of Goldie's. Yeah. So yeah I, I enjoyed that part. Yes. Uh, outside of the barbecue attempt, what was the best food you ate in Greece? Mm, wow. Um, well, there was this, uh, this one night where we kind of snuck off away from the tour group and the bad it's buffet dangerous. in the hotel. Yeah. Well, it was bad buffet in the hotel we'd had enough of that and so we uh we we went down the street to this place in delphi and they had uh, it was just a a local restaurant making local food they had these like this homemade noodles uh which was basically egg noodles um and roasted lamb and uh they made their own vermouth and they made their own um uh liqueurs and yeah so we had a grand time (laughs) that was that was probably my favorite meal right there Daniel Vaughn is writing for Texas Monthly. He's the first ever full-time barbecue editor in this country, and he's currently still the best. TMBBQ.com is the website, and the tweeter is at BBQ Snob. If you would like to get asked him and ask questions or give him your comments on where the barbecue scene is, he's there for any and all of it. Daniel, always appreciate the time, and we will see you again in three months. All right. Great talking with you. You got it. It's Daniel Vaughn. Fresh from Greece. He's daring. He, I think he, he got stuck in Peru, I think. Was it Peru? Costa Rica? One of those places. He was stuck in the pandemic. Like, couldn't, couldn't get back. He's a traveler, that guy. He travels all across Texas, which is bigger than most countries that he's gone to. And then he's traveling outside of the United States as well. Far more adventures than me. And good for him. I'd rather live through him vicariously than actually travel. TMBBQ.com is website, and we're back to wrap the whole show. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. And we thank Daniel Vaughn for joining us last segment. TMBBQ.com is his website. The Barbecue Show is saying, I can't even get into the U.S. Well, no shit, Jason. You hate every cooker ever made. 
The United States listens. This guy hates too many cookers. He can't come into the United States. He can't do it. As soon as he relaxes on some of the hate, we'll let him back into the greatest country ever. But until then, you gotta stay up north. Go perfect your booze team. Make more booze team, Jason. Give it to the give it to the guards as you cross the border. Give it to the border guards. Maybe they'll let you in with a little booze team. All right, let's go ahead and get on out. We're a little late. All the way back in the first hour in segment one and two and a little into the second hour was Jeremy Umansky. He is a Koji expert, the Koji expert. Koji Alchemy is his book that he co-wrote. You can find that wherever books are sold. By the way, I meant to give this away seven times over the course of the last two hours. It's Kent and Shannon Rollins' Comfort Food the Cowboy Way. If you would like this book, email me right now and in the subject line put Canada. Hurry! First one in, we'll win it. I'll get back to you and you will give me a shipping address. That's Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. If you want to win Kent Rollins' new book, subject line Canada, do it right now. If you're listening to this on podcast, don't send me an email. Don't. The contest is already over. There's been a winner. Trust me on this. Don't send me the email. Don't send me the email. Don't send me the email. They say in advertising, you got to say it at least three times for people to hear it. So, if you're listening on podcast, don't send me the email. There we go. So, it's Jeremy Umansky, second hour, West Wright from cookoutnews.com, and then closing out the show, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. The fourth Tuesday of the month comes up next week. Derek Riches will be in. The Embedded Correspondents will be in, amongst others. So please be sure to tune in. Don't forget to get the Best Moments show this coming Friday to hear the first ever show I ever did ever, ever. And then don't email me telling me how bad it sucks because, again, I lived it. I know it. So that's what's happening. Oh, and over the course of this week and next week, I'll be releasing all the interviews I got at the HPB Expo in Louisville that I was there a week and a half ago. Those were all audited. Uh, audited. Those were all audited and edited. They were given back to the people that gave me the interviews. They've agreed that everything's good, and I will now begin to release those to look for a bunch of bonus content. About six or seven bonus content episodes coming out here over the course of the next week or so. Royal King dances. Pro Q. Bull Barbecue. Those are the ones I'm remembering right off the top of my head. Blackstone. That was a great interview. Can't wait to release that one. That'll be the first release. Blackstone. So look forward to that. All right. Again, big show planned for you Tuesday. How do I always leave? September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Bye-bye. What's up? This is JM, host of the Celebrity Grill podcast on iTunes, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling, all the time. <laughs>